0: G'day. This is Linda Ross, and this is another one of our Garden Clinic podcasts, where we oh chat to one of our very special friends, experts in the industry, and glean some very interesting points and tips and tricks and practicalities to help us be better gardeners. If you've got any questions, please head to the Garden Clinic on Facebook, and uh, we're very happy to answer them as the weeks progress. The best garden in the street.
1: G'day, Graham Ross here. Now you all know I love my gardening, and we all know that Seasol is simply fantastic for keeping your garden healthy and looking great but did you know that sea salt reduces transplant shock and dramatically increases the plant's survival rate when they're newly planted now look, it's like an insurance policy for your plants. So when you're planting out your seedlings and new plants in your garden, don't just water them in, see your plants.
0: Don't forget the Seasol. Everybody who knows me knows how much I love my birds and the bees in my garden and also in the garden clinic we do all these wonderful classes. We get out to nurseries right across Australia and we do workshops and classes in the nurseries and one nursery that absolutely was smashing is the first time I walked into Honeysuckle Nursery in Mossman and I just saw all the plants like jumping out of their pots with gleaming glossy green leaves not a bug or a mealybug bug or a scale to be found and I spoke to the owner And I said, what on earth are you doing to these plants that make them so incredibly healthy? So today's podcast is all about the health of plants, the health of the environment, and perhaps also then ecological wildlife that you can attract to your garden. And of course, that man was Peter Thorburn. I have him on the line. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me, Peter.
1: It's always a pleasure, Linda.
0: You started off in the nursery industry. Your stable of nurseries now are just the best. I absolutely love going to all of them. Where did it all start?
1: Oh, it started in Double Bay in 1978, 40 long years ago. And uh, yeah, here we are later, my son's helping run the business. My son's.
0: Uh, yeah, and got you've got um, my favourite, uh, Mossman, as Honeysuckle.
1: Yep, we've got an almost original one in Bondi Junction where we've been for 30-something years after we left Double Bay. And we've got a new garden centre at Taramara that we opened last August, took over the old Parkers. Um,
0: and I'm heading there on Friday to give a garden class. Oh, fantastic. I <laughs> hope it goes well. So I've got to ch- enough chairs. Check it out. So do I. Well, the answer to my question when I said, what on earth are you doing? You said, oh, I'm, we just make up this little magic mix and we spray it on the plants, on the foliage every week. And I was like, what on earth is this magic mix? <laughs> How do I get some and, um, and tell me all about it? So um, what do you do? What's the secret?
1: Well, it's just that. We make up three or four ingredients, eco oil, eco neem. Uh, a product called Amina Grow that is not well known, but that's made from uh, crustaceans. And we add a little bit of seaweed, and that's basically it. That mixture of oils uh, puts a protective coating on the leaves, as you would know, which keeps most of the bad bugs away. It even stops citrus leaf miner because the moths don't like to lay eggs on a slippery dip. So... (laughs) That's the scoop. It's pretty simple. And I can tell you the ratios if you want to know. You already know.
0: (laughs) I've got them burned into my brain. But yes, we should talk about the ratio and I will repeat it at the end of the program. Uh, So let's say we make this, what, for how many litres of water would you use?
1: We've got those big 20 litre sprayers from Charles and Leone at Tite Tags and we make up probably four or five of those at Mossman's or maybe six. We use four or five at Bombo Junction. So we're spraying maybe 120 litres.
0: And will that maybe. be on a weekly basis, mate?
1: Absolutely. Yep. Every week, with the exception of if it's raining for days, we have to postpone because the oil won't stick to the leaves. But uh, otherwise, yep, almost without fail. And there are very few plants that we wouldn't water. Zonal geraniums would be one that, uh, that we wouldn't spray. I'll be Zonal geraniums would be one of them. And African violets, for instance, you'd never spray an African violet with an oil because it'll just be absorbed into the leaf. Yep. But basically, we have no problem doing it week after week after week after week, and the benefits are immense.
0: What are the benefits? I mean, apart from the incredible health and vitality that you see, but the limited amount of pest and disease?
1: Yeah, very limited. It's When you're running retail nurseries, of course, you're buying plants in from all sorts of sources, and sometimes, unfortunately, as you would know, they come in with disease on them. So we occasionally have to use something else if we have a plant that comes in riddled with mealybug that we can't send back to Queensland. But everything else, aphids, thrips, mites, small caterpillars and the citrus leaf miner and a host of other things are fixed or stopped. And more importantly, the eco-oil has an attractant that organic crop protectants put into it to attract the beneficial insects. So we tend to get lots of ladybirds and dragonflies and wings and all that kind of stuff. And they clean up the few aphids because everyone gets aphids. Of course, they can double their population every 20 minutes. But (laughs) if you hit them with eco-oil, they're dead straight away.
0: And you use the Swagman sprayers. They're so amazing, those yep. guys. And it's such a brilliant sprayer, isn't it? Because it's it easy to use. It's lightweight. If there's any problems or servicing required, he does it in Australia. So oh, he, fixes it, it. he fixes it for you. He's incredible. It's very rare and <laughs> that
1: anything goes wrong with them. But it,
0: yeah, because <laughs> yeah, all those nozzles are such high quality which again is quite rare when, with sprayers because I've had so many that have failed, but the Swagman yep. sprayers are excellent and yep. you can get them in 8 litres or what, 25 litres?
1: Yeah, what? 8 and 20 I think, Eight twenty. what they do them in and uh, I think they made the 8 litre one specially for you, didn't they? Yes, because <laughs>
0: yes, we couldn't carry 25 or 20 litres. Um, no. Yeah, the 8 litre is excellent for a home garden situation. Look, it's just one of those eco magic sprays that prevents a whole lot of diseases from coming as well, so really it's just it's like you're creating a wonderful immune system in your plants that are absolutely able to resist an insect attack as well Um, absolutely so you're boosting their immune system rather than you know spraying when things go wrong all right let's talk about the ratio
1: okay well if it's a per litre basis uh, because some people might if you're on a balcony or something might only need to make up a litre yep with oils you never use more than five mils per litre of oil so Eco oil used by itself, which some people do, you'd use it at five mils per litre. But when you're mixing it with neem oil,
0: yep.
1: it's three mils of eco oil and two mils of neem oil per
0: litre. yep.
1: And then we add the Amina Grow uh, at five mils per litre. And depending on the season, we'll add some seaweed. The seaweed, of course, is a brown colour. And if you put it on in winter, it just slows down photosynthesis a bit too much. But in summer, it's a hill for leather. We just add the seaweed in and so the plants are getting a little beneficial spray with that as well. And, of course, we also fertilise our plants regularly with organic products such as harvest, um, which we use through a, uh, an instrument called a dosatron that you'd be familiar with.
0: Yeah, dosatron. Um, yes. Everyone a dosatron. needs a dosatron.
1: <laughs> Everyone needs a dosatron or two. So you, you pour five litres into that and hook it up to the hose and you don't have to keep filling watering cans. It measures it out. So that's all part of it. I mean, it's just like us, Linda, isn't it? Keep yourself healthy, you shrug off a cold.
0: Absolutely, food is the medicine and medicine is the food I mean it's pretty basic isn't it mate
1: Exactly
0: And it's the same with the plant world It is and it's so obvious when you walk through one of your nurseries, truly. It's as as obvious as the nose on my face how much they respond to this eco-mix. Yeah. And everything oh, that it. I've purchased from you over the years has thrived. You're not bringing in insects or disease into my garden, which I'm all really worried about. And, and weeds and all those sorts of things that I don't need to be brought into my garden yeah. and for me to waste my time. Um, you know, I can always rely on that such high quality. So your nurseries have become really not only places to grow your plants, but you're noticing a big change in the growing nursery at Dural as well recently.
1: Yeah, we've got a five-acre growing nursery at Dural, and we've been using this mix there for 10 years, I suppose, and and every year we're getting more and more sort of wildlife and more diversity. So we used to see the odd lizard, uh, small skinks. Now we see hundreds of them, and they're huge. Our family of kookaburras, it's been around for oh, 20 years. They just keep breeding and a few fly away, but they're there, they eat the worms when we move a pot. The dragonflies and the hover wings, the ladybirds, the native bees. Um, by the billion, when the appropriate plants are flowering, you can barely see the plant for the cloud of um, those tiny little native bees. Those
0: stingless ones, which are yep. great.
1: And there's many species of those. We sometimes see the solitary blue-banded bee. Yep.
0: Um,
1: we've got eight beehives on site, so... We encourage them as well, the the exotic ones, get the odd jar of honey out of it. You see the occasional lace monitor. um,
0: Oh, wow.
1: Small goanna. Just this week on Tuesday, we saw a lyrebird. (laughs) I've been on that site for 20 years. I've never seen a lyrebird, but there was one just 10 metres from the nursery in the bush because we're about a national park, so it's a pretty special place. And there's a lyrebird hopping around like a kangaroo.
0: Holy Uh, moly, that's incredible.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And And this is a. Yeah. They just all seem happy.
0: They're happy, aren't they? And it's just, it's quite interesting, though, at this day and age that you're really reversing the trends. (laughs) Because back in the day, that nursery would have been not a monoculture, but just rows and rows of plants, you know, chemical fertilizers, sprays, all sorts of stuff. It would be pretty lifeless, wouldn't it, back in the 80s?
1: Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And occasionally you still do, do need to use something. We've recently had that terrible Cactoblastus moth. Oh, really? Moth, laying eggs inside our opuntias, which are relative to the prickly pears. And, um, doesn't matter what you spray on the outside of the plant once the eggs are inside you've got to do something else but we've got a mild treatment for that too
0: oh well the um, opuntias are very very trendy at the moment aren't they're they they're trendy and the prickly pears
1: which i which i didn't know
0: yeah right still susceptible well that was a biological control wasn't it that was i think
1: they brought it the csr might have brought it in from mexico 100 years ago to control prickly pear and um and it does it did, but, it's, <laughs> but it's certainly not good with opuntias. so but you know there's always going to be something that gets thrown up but 90 Probably 99% of our problems are dealt with by our local un- unpaid employees, the flying ones and the crawling ones. And, yeah, we have very few problems.
0: Yeah. And scary. I have to say, too, that philosophy I employ in my garden, you know, just biological controls and organic sprays, it's ecologically sensitive. Yeah. Ecological. And I don't seem to get any problems, like, you know, pests and disease-wise. And you're right, I can actually tell, you know, when those blue-banded bees arrive because they've got a different kind of buzz. <laughs> and yep. and, um, and those uh, lovely teddy bear bees come in at 4 o'clock and they love my queen mum, Agapanthus. Oh, <laughs> and, and I start to really get a feel for the animals that are um, making my garden their home. And you're right, I've got the blue wrens that are nesting every summer.
1: Oh, and we have hundreds of those. I forgot to mention those fairy <laughs> <berry>
0: wrens. <laughs> those fairy
1: wrens. The blue ones are the show-offs. They're the males.
0: Oh, yes. And, and the
1: brown ones are the females who are much more demure, or the immature male.
0: Yes, I like um, to call them his harem, <laughs> those yes. little Jenny wrens doing <laughs> all the work good. while he's just good. checking That's out from the me. top. It's all yeah. very sexist in the fairy wren world. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's wonderful that once you start stopping the sprays, how quickly the wildlife returns, and you've noticed yes. that.
1: Yeah, and some of the sprays I used as a young nurseryman You know, the metasystox, the diazinon, the DDT, the malathons.
0: That's amazing you don't glow at night, Pete.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, I donate blood on a very regular basis, and one of the reasons I do that is to get it checked, because some of those chemicals can cause damage 30, 40 years down the track. Yeah, right. But luckily, I'm so far so good, but I just simply don't use them anymore, and I haven't heard anyone suffering from eco-oil poisoning. no. Um, (laughs) We do have to be careful not to spray the customers because they don't appreciate it with a leather <laughs> dress on or a, silk, a crepe machine shirt. Well,
0: I think your seaweed's quite good for you, though.
1: Yeah, well, the seaweed's definitely good. <laughs> seaweed's maybe, co- not, maybe not applied over the face.
0: Not, not um, maybe on one's dress, perhaps. No, um, no. And a lot of frogs coming back in.
1: Frogs, yes, at Bondi Junction. This is incredible. We've got a little pond there that we've had for years and we used to find the occasional frog on a plant that'd come in from Queensland and just throw it in the pond, but this year we had more than 300 little baby frogs, the size well, half the size of a small fingernail, that uh, just bred up. And I'm sure it's because of that. Some of them were even the red-legged tree frogs from Queensland that come down on golden cane palms and things from time to time. Um, so we used to see them once and not see them again. But this year, three or 400 frogs. Some customers were scared. Some customers asked if they could have some. Which, of course, was okay, and it's just wonderful. <laughs> Couldn't hear myself think here at seven o'clock at night, but <laughs> so yeah, no, fantastic. So
0: well, We've noticed the same in our garden, that it's like Kakadu here. I'm sure the, yeah. the neighbours are complaining for the frog well, noise. Too
1: bad. Let them get used to it. Beat yeah. the heck out of hearing a diesel tractor at first.
0: That's absolutely um, right. And it's and amazing how quickly just one pond, like we, ours is just a large stone pot, basically, yeah. that we filled with water and a couple of water lilies and a few water plants. But it's just so amazing how quickly the frogs move in. And, and, and then, then you won't
1: get any mosquitoes in the pot,
0: are No, no mosquitoes. Um, the t- and they've proliferated right around the house now. They can even just sort of hang out in the saucers of pots and uh, and the tadpoles are, are plentiful so much so that the skink population is now yeah, booming so they're because getting, they're, they're, getting some food. they're getting fed regularly. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's all a wonderful ecosystem. <laughs> it's really it quite is. beautiful.
1: It is, and it's helped by that spray.
0: Uh, yeah that's right and that's really that's the nexus for us isn't it that this new generation of sprays has really given gardeners the ability to stop the chemicals and to allow those um, the wildlife in and uh, look it's a really lovely thing to be in harmony with the environment absolutely And the and garden shouldn't be opposed to the bush you know it's one big wonderful no. world
1: indeed. And that growing nursery where we abut the bush for about 500 metres all the way around the nursery, it's interesting what comes in. And as I said, more and more, every passing year, we see more and more of each species and new species. Like, who's seen a lyrebird in Sydney recently?
0: Well, I just can't believe you saw one last Tuesday. That's extraordinary. Yeah,
1: fantastic. We've got peacocks around too. Of course, they're not native. And the rotten brush turkeys, they're around as well. I mean, they're beautiful to look at, but they cause a mess if they try and build a nest in your garden.
0: Oh, yes, we um, had that.
1: Yeah, they seem to be all, we've had quite a lot of them in Taramara too, they're running quite free.
0: Oh yeah, they just run down the road in Beecroft. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) If only we could eat them. (laughs) Uh, We could bring back. (laughs) One of the, yeah, no such luck, they're a protected species of course, Linda, don't be so ridiculous. Look, one of the lovely um, birds that's coming in nocturnally for me is the tawny frogmouth. Are you getting any of those?
1: Uh, I'm not at Dural uh, at night, usually. I've seen them where we live in Lane Cove, Longreville. We've had a few tawny frogmouths around. We even had one with a completely white head. I'm not quite sure what owl that is. I opened the back door, got a fright, stood there and looked at it for about three hours from five feet away before it eventually flew away. I wasn't scared.
0: I might have been Harry Potter's owl.
1: It <laughs> It could be the patronus. <laughs> my daughter said the patronus curse, <laughs> curse. And your father's in love with powerful owls, isn't he? So oh you.
0: well, we have some wonderful powerful owls in the valley on the other side of Beecroft. Yeah. And he comes. Well, I don't know if it's a he or a she, but the, one gigantic powerful owl comes into the um, pin oak tree and sits there with these oh glowing golden eyes. Yeah. And I just make sure the chooks are all uh, locked up. And the up. children. And, and the, the children. Ch- it could. It could take us small child I'm sure.
1: There was was a problem in Mossman uh, I don't know four or five years ago that um, they kept finding headless possums. They were looking for the person responsible (laughs) for it but the person had wings. Well that's
0: exactly what I did see that night when I saw the powerful owl I saw a headless possum and I'm a bit slow so I didn't really put two and two together but obviously they they take the head off and then they'll come back for the the rest, for the rest rest of the possum, for, you know, for yeah, for dessert. <laughs> One's an hors d'oeuvre, and then the main course is served the next night. Absolutely, uh, and that's all how the world goes around. So, well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Now, what's um, you know, you've got these wonderful nurseries that we love there. What, what are the trends that you're sort of seeing? Because you're with customers on a daily yeah, basis, yeah, and
1: in, yeah, in a is there there
0: anything you changing? You do see everything,
1: yeah, you see everything. Look, the succulent craze is just there's no end to that
0: yeah, um, because true.
1: they're so easy to look after um, we grow a lot of different things a bit mm-hmm. unusual like that Disocactus cactus that you got not so long ago with oh, the big flowers
0: that's right
1: um, and all the different ripsalis they're very trendy the new gun plant apart from the ficus lyrata the, oh, the fiddle leaf
0: fig for inside and yep.
1: and yep and funnily enough umbrella trees are back in vogue um, oh,
0: I bought a rubber tree the other day. Yeah, rubber tree. I, I never, yeah. never thought I would, but it's got know, these wonderful trees. pink and, and cream variation in it, leaf, and I thought, oh, yeah, I can do one of those. Yeah, There's
1: a lovely one called Tinica as well, which is sort of a, a light coloured variegation.
0: No, the, it's doing the great the, gun, in my bedroom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The gun plant that everyone seems to be after at the moment is uh, Pilea pepperamoides.
0: Oh, yes, the, um, that, what, that the, the money plant.
1: Is, is that what they call it? There's about 10 plants called the money plant. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: Whatever,
1: that's true. I saw it out at your... Uh, Collectors weekend. Plant Fair? Yeah, at, at, out at Riverston. Yep. Uh, yeah, at
0: at that, Clarendon. Yeah.
1: Clarendon. Clarendon. Yeah,
0: because the boys at um, Living Edge had it for sale, yeah, Blake and, yeah.
1: Yeah, I saw it. And
0: Clover Hill bought, had one.
1: Who bought one, $120 she paid. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but they like everything that's unusual. They become more available and they'll go down in price as time goes by. Yeah, the Astra. money
0: plant Pilea, what what's its last name?
1: Pepperomoides.
0: Pepperomoides, yes, it's the Instagram sensation of twenty seventeen. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, there's um Instagram accounts just dedicated to that one plant. <laughs> yeah. Right. But um the Clover Hill Boys, um, David Kennedy were saying that it's not sensitive at all. It's completely tough. It's oh, yes. one of the hardiest um indoor plants you can get. It's got completely spherical round leaves on a little stalk and it kind of sort of sprouts out but it will um, have pups quite readily he said he left his outside accidentally and it snowed because he's at Katoomba it snowed and it was quite fine (laughs) with a dusting of snow he said he couldn't he couldn't believe it so he's been growing them for years yeah interesting so in or out um, yeah much hardier than you think the old pilea
1: Yep, and, and all, right. all the, all the peperomias as well. They're all yes, back all into the peperomias. Indoor plants in general, Linda, I think are coming back into vogue. So,
0: yes, yeah. I think everybody loves, well, that, all that research, I suppose, um, you know, really pushing the fact that not only do they absorb the toxic, you know, VOCs out of the air, but yep. they contribute to a healthy um, environment for well, us. Well, they're producing
1: oxygen, yeah.
0: Well, that's right. It's a pretty easy equation, isn't it? It is. So, what kind of succulents? We'll just go back to the succulent thing. Uh,
1: well, there's the basic, you know, all the different crashulas. Yep. The crassula golem, the one that I guess that's um, Lord of the Rings sort of thing. Or oh, Shrek, you know, Shrek's ears. That's an unusual one that's very popular we've got four or five varieties. I have to growth. say
0: the crashulas, which are the, you know, the jade plants really, are fantastic garden plants. I've got one with a, I don't even know what it's called, it's kind of blue grey with a wave to the margin of the leaf.
1: Yeah, it might be Buddha, blue Buddha.
0: Just fantastic. Yep. It drops all the time and it roots. So I've got hundreds of cuttings to give away to friends. It grows in pots, it grows in the garden, it grows with, uh, under frangipanis. So some people want, you know, lovely frangipanis in pots. Crassulas and Echeverias and, um, and Ripsalis do great when they're underplanted frangipanis.
1: Yeah, the Ripsalis are unbelievable. I, I brought in a plant, a big, uh, big agave from Dural on Tuesday and it's been there for years. And I pulled it out and it's got Ripsalis that had fallen from a basket above it growing in the leaves of the agave. That's how tough they are.
0: Well, Ripsalis is, you know, as you know, called Mexican mistletoe. So yep. they really remind me of like Muppets, the hair of, you know, yep. green yep. hair of Muppets. That's what yep. so they just sort of hang, drift, drip down like green mossy Muppet hair. And there's never so many watering. different, never need watering. And those little, they've got these spherical fruit. And it's the fruit that just drop and will germinate wherever they land. And yeah, and the
1: flowers are pretty too.
0: The flowers are lovely.
1: Flowers. We've got about eight or ten different varieties that we grow in Ripsalis and um, very popular.
0: Yeah, I grow them inside or outside, it doesn't really matter. And as you said, never need a drink really. And sometimes no. they, when they slightly sort of desiccate, you just give them a little drink a couple of yeah. times a year really it's all you yeah. need. Now they're very good value, the ripsalis or Mexican. And the other thing, I suppose, we can just end on is the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. And I know everybody um, that works for you, all of your staff, and the Ross family absolutely love this plant. Last summer, you Wouldn't filmed be a it. Cactus, would it? <laughs> you filmed it. <laughs> you filmed it opening. It's beautiful flowers at night of course being the queen of the night um, epiphyllum oxypetalum. you have some of the biggest specimens i've ever seen in australia and you sat there and you must have did you just put the video camera on it all night
1: my son tom and our then apprentice jack hutchinson who won the bbm award love jack with many thanks to uh, your father and his input into his career um, They set up a GoPro and just took a photo every minute all night. Then they set it to some dramatic music. I think it's on your <laughs> website somewhere, isn't
0: it? I definitely shared it. <laughs> I a, thought it was the coolest thing the I've ever seen. The
1: honeysuckle one. And it's, yeah, that's an unbelievable plant, that jungle cactus. We're Again, another before. Mexican.
0: Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, a Mexican thing as well, flowers, just one night only. But the flowers, yep. <laughs> unless you're yep. a party person, you'll miss it every time because yeah, you I have to be so. up at 10 p.m.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Ten, you and know, then the other the other plant I should mention briefly that's coming back into favour are the hoya's.
0: Oh yes, Indian um, rope, all of them.
1: Yeah, all of them. Yeah, all of them.
0: Again, um, another plant you don't have to water. I think I think we're, we're seeing a thread of <laughs> commonality. <much>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the hoya's again, grey in tiny little cramps pots, aren't they, Peter? You don't want to swamp them with too much potting mix.
1: I've seen one growing out of a seven inch pot, 15 metres along a balcony and 10 metres down. Exactly. So they're just living off the It's completely epiphytic. And we grow two or three varieties the one that's almost black, which is beautiful, and a pink one. And uh, Hoya Australis, the white one, and it's a native and it's uh, highly fragrant, easy to grow.
0: Yeah, I've seen that on Hinch and Brook Beach actually growing in the, the spray of the water,
1: the, yeah. the, the ocean. Go. Yeah, so they're, they're tough. Everyone likes tough plants, you know. We're all time poor.
0: But People we want to fill our, fill our gardens yeah. and inside with sort of jungle like climbing plants that, um, that yeah, just thrive pets. on neglect, yeah.
1: They're pets, is That's it?
0: That's it. Yeah. That's it. We should be vets, we're doctors. If we should. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely lovely to chat everything green and growing. Your nurseries are uh, just phenomenal. They're wonderful places to visit, they're full of inspiration. I always love, every time I sort of jump in and, and get a little, you've always got something spectacular, something that I just always wanted and uh, and very hard to get sometimes these days with nurseries around town.
1: Well, we're just like you. We're completely nuts
0: about plants. (laughs) That's it. That's what we've got so much in common. (laughs) Indeed. Peter Thorborn, thank you so much for your time today.
1: It's a pleasure, Linda Ross.
0: It's a See pleasure. Back. See you soon, mate. It's an absolute yeah. pleasure to, to have you on the Garden Clinic podcast. And if you're interested in any of the plants that Peter and I spoke about today, just head over to his website, honeysucklegarden.com.au, and it's all there. And, of course, the three beautiful nurseries in Sydney, definitely well worth going to. The original at Bondi Junction, the fabulous Mossman, and the brand new uh, Honeysuckle Tarama which, of course, is a rebranded, renewed Parker's Nursery. So a lot of information there. And I'm just going to quickly um, re-mention the um, Eco Magic Mix, just for those who are interested in giving it a go. Uh, You can't just buy Magic Mix straight off the shelf. You will need to combine the following ingredients yourself. Agitate to mix it up. And obviously, a good sprayer is absolutely imperative. With one litre of water, you'll put in the 5 milliliters of amino grow hard to find but well worth getting as he said crushed crustaceans and amino grow actually boosts plant health and feeds the plant through the leaves that's why it's so good then we put in the three mils of eco oil and eco-oil is just a fantastic oil that smothers small-bodied insects like scale and aphids. And it also provides a barrier to other insects. And it also mixes the solution together and helps it stick to the leaves. Then we put in two mils of eco-neem. Eco-neem provides a safe control of caterpillars and sucking insects. A little salt spoon of eco-seaweed, as Pete said, just in the summer months only. And of course, the seaweed actually strengthens the cell walls in your plants, enabling them better to withstand pests and disease and drought. So then you just mix that up in your spray up. You would spray on the top and the bottom of the leaves each week if you can. If you can do it each month, that would be great. Taking care to reach the interior leaves and stems as well. You can repeat it as much as you really have time for. I like to do it on a monthly basis. It's really up to you. But of course, the more you do it, the more benefits you get so much information there and how to make up um, our eco magic mix and of course Peter telling us about the results that he gets with the mix but not only in the plant vitality and health but the proliferation of the wildlife that's flooding back into his growing nursery at Dural and that's certainly what I find in my garden too. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Garden Clinic podcast. Uh, We're doing it on a weekly basis. This is Linda Ross, it is the Garden Clinic. And head over to the Garden Clinic Facebook page if you've got any questions for me or our website, of course, gardenclinic.com.au.
1: The best garden Hi there, Graham Ross. Now, you all know I love gardening and we all know that sea salt is just simply fantastic for keeping your garden healthy and looking great. But did you know that sea salt helps with root development? This means that sea treated plants have a greater access to water and nutrients in the soil. This goes for everything in your garden, from your lawn to your roses, even your veggie patch.
0: So don't just water your garden, seesaw your garden. Don't forget to seesaw!